Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. Um, we've had a we've had a little little break, a little break in the action, and uh, well, there's been several reasons for that. Uh, one, there there've been no Everton matches, so that's uh, it's almost like a sweet release. Uh, not not you know it's it's weird. I miss watching, but I don't. That's the weirdest thing. It's a very strange vibe this year. Um, so yeah, so there's that. I just realized I should say my name. Uh, I'm Jerry, Max and Terry are with me as usual. Jerry, you dumbass, it's been too long. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, so it's been a while since Everton had a match. Also, I've been sick, um, and I'm almost full strength, which is cool. Uh, see, so, so that's good. So we've had, we've had good reason to not be around. So that's, that's, that's why we've had a little... A little break in the action. Uh, during the break in the action, all right, I have to talk about this. I'm, I'm starting with a nice little little intro segment. Uh, Max went to an event where where he got to meet the Moisaya. Uh, I am never say that again. <laughs> I saw that one time, and I'm like, I'll never say that out loud. And I said it out loud because I wanted to be an idiot. So there you go. Uh, no, uh, so you got to meet Moyes. And you know what? The interesting thing is uh, the last time we were on here, we actually started talking about Moyes. And I got really – it got me even more excited about you getting to meet him. You know what I mean? Like I got really – because we were, we were like rose-colored glasses. We were thinking of, about the, the positives of him being there. And I was like, oh, man, that's going to be badass. Um, so give us details. Right, so as as I was saying off camera, I think it's quite important that I just give you like the context of my day. Like when it, when it, when it comes to night times, I'm one of them people. Like I just stick an album on and zone out. You know what I mean? And I think it was like it was late the night before. Um, I'd had a lot of uni work on, so it was completely out of my mind. Uh, I was listening to What's the Story, Morning Glory, Oasis, yeah, and Come I'm On, Feel the Noise came on, <laughs> and I, I was just like, I don't know, but I was listening to it. I was like. Shit, Man United fans used to sing this about Moyes. I was like, oh, shit, he's coming into our uni tomorrow morning. I better get to sleep. It's about one o'clock in the morning. I right, get to sleep. Woke up and, like, me cold wasn't much better. And I'd woke up, like, two hours late. I think he started in, like, it takes me about an hour to get to uni. And I think he started in, in about an hour and a half. So I was like, oh, what do I do with myself? And it was, I just kind of went, you know what? I can't miss this opportunity. So just got myself a, bottle, a glass of water, got myself clothes, legged it to the train station and made it just in time. Um, obviously, like it was packed, obviously, because, you know, you've got the Man United connection too. So there were quite a few Man United fans there. Um, and yeah, it was quite a, you know, formulaic interview that, that our university usually does. Tries to get some sort of educational insight from someone in the industry. So obviously, he's like he's given out in... in Information to young coaches um, gives a, a, a you know it's just a type. What I realised when I was listening to him was like he's such a fantastic football and brain. Like the amount of football he consumed contributed so much to his player recruitment and his transfer strategy. 
which I know, I know Terry, you mentioned it when we when I said mentioned that he was going to come on, and when it um, when it got when questions got flipped over to the floor, so we could ask him questions. I obviously, I weren't feeling well, and I could just about breathe out my nose, but I couldn't couldn't pass up the opportunity. <laughs> like I was waiting to put my hand up, put my hand up first, but they went to the, someone that was on the, on another row. First question: Why did you fail at Man United? I was like, oh, that's harsh. Shit. Yeah, but uh, he took it on the chin quite well and uh, gave a good little breakdown of that. When it came to me, I just went, um, fit, um, fit, obviously you introduce yourself, say the course that you're on. I was like, I'm an Evertonian, I've been a season ticket holder most of my life. Obviously, most of that was your reign. Um, thanks for getting us out of that rut that we were in in the 90s. And he went, ah, I better not have to come back and save you this time. I was like, well, you might have to. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think because he, t- he talked about obviously when he first arrived at Everton he had quite a few big names to contend with like Gaza, uh, Ginola, Dunk I was like well you mentioned players such as them who were a little bit past the prime once you were at Everton were there, there any you know potentially world class players or near the prime that we almost signed and he just gave me this list of like Mirosav close apparently you know Mirosav's closest wife had flown over to Finalised the deal, but he ended up he ended up breaking his wrist and going to Lazio. Um, Adam Ramsey, and then I was thinking, eh, that those two were the standouts to me. But then it kind of just got like the kind of subpar level of average talent, like Craig Bellamy, Denver Barr, Joey Barton. And it was like, yeah, not exactly Everton players, but you know, mm. you can um, you can accept that. But the passion that he talked about Everton with, like. Honestly, he still loves the club. You can tell from when you talk to him that it still means an awful lot to him. And um, I don't think he looks back at any other club that he's been at as much, as much affection that he does Everton. Yeah, when you were talking about his uh, was this his scout team, you said. What did, what did yeah. he say about it? There's a yeah, there's something his, you his tweeted. His player recruitment was shit hot. Yes, was, yeah, it was probably the best in the league at the time, which it was. To be fair, and you know, he said that his knowledge. Uh, of the lower leagues, for example, Jolie and Lescott, Andy Johnson, Tim Cale, you know, because he because he covered and watched so much football, he had such a broad scope of players to to pick from, uh, and you know, he, he had the profile of a player down to a T. And he said, if it was between signing a 21 year old player and a 26 year old player, you know, given the financial limitations of it and at the time, you'd always go for the 21 year old player for you know sell on value. Which which makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Well, when I saw your um, your list of you know his list of players who he nearly signed, a couple of them were like surprising, like you know, <coughs> closer being the main one. And mm. I think I heard about Ramsey at the time that you know we were close with him, but and we were actually ahead of Man United. But when Arsenal came in, that was the end of it. it had to be Arsenal. But the, the, the actual drop-off in quality just says one thing to me, that he got most of his targets. That's, like, that is a good point. He oh. didn't didn't miss out on loads of top-quality players because he identified um, players he needed, went after them and got them. Now, he couldn't get loads of players, and there were spells where he probably would have preferred to bring in players and he wasn't able to. But when he did buy, he bought well. You can count on one hand the amount of you know, players he signed that didn't come off. So that was... One thing you could never, you know, level at David Moyes that he wasn't good in the transfer market because he really was. Mm. Yeah, there have been a lot of Moyes shouts lately, which is 
Interesting. Uh, I try to like kind of look past those and think more about him in the past and focus more on that, if that makes sense. And that enables mm-hmm. me to kind of be more positive. Uh, so, yeah. Um, it was actually like when he first – like when I first became an Everton supporter was when he was – when he was deciding to leave (laughs) and I was like, and I was, I was in this like really like uh, shitty mood about it. I was just very down about it. I was thinking, Oh no, what's going to happen now? And I was, and I, I actually wasn't satisfied with like any of the possibilities. No, I know my, 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 my issue with Moise and I mean, overall it shouldn't, it shouldn't outweigh the positive impact he had at the club, but the fact that he knew he was going to Manchester United whilst working at yes. Everton. And every, every time he was asked about his contract, he was saying, oh, we'll just wait and see, we'll just wait and see. Although he, he knew full well that he, that he was going to Manchester United, going back and forth between London uh, and, and our place. like That was a bit of a bummer towards the end. But as I say, it shouldn't outweigh the, the, the positive impact he had at the club because you know, he did us a huge favour. Yeah, hearing the story about... Him and Ferguson, it kind of makes the whole like Watford being angry about us and Silva sort of hilarious. Because I mean, our our season was the season was still very much happening when that offer kind of was dropped down to Moyes. You know what I mean? And that's probably not super, uh, you know, with the rules. Uh, but I think we were just kind of like, it'll be okay. I think that's – it just – I don't know. Um, I kind of see that as, as Everton's style a little bit more, though. It's a little bit more like, you know what, it'll be all right. You know? Um, they don't tend to get their uh, their panties in a bunch very often. Um, what else about Moyes? Anything else? Uh, did you guys go out and drink and hang out together? Did you hug a lot? Did you arm wrestle? Like, what – what actually happened, man? No, like uh, after after the end of his of his guest speaker, they just went, you know, if you want to go up and ask him any questions or get photos, and now's the time to do so. So, like everyone kind of jumped up and gathered around him, uh, and I went. Obviously, when it comes to my turn, I was like, well, I can't not get a photo with you. I've got, I swear, I've got a photo with Belfield when I'm about five with, with you picking me up. So, it's, it only seems right. And you know, as I was getting me photo took with him, he's going. It's not going well at the moment, is it? With Everton, I was like, "Don't even get me started." Yeah, yeah. So he, I don't know. He, he's very, very still involved. Like he, he's traveling all over the place. He was saying he just got back from the Super Bowl and see, he went to the MLS Cup final as well. Like I told he, you, he, MLS. Yeah, yeah. He's a proper student of the game, and I, I, he said, "You know, I've just come back from India. I've just come back from absolutely everywhere." Like, oh, bloody hell, spare us a few quid, will you? Seems like he's getting about, but um, you know he, that's that's to be expected, isn't it? He was always you know a keen eye of, of football when he was a manager himself. So, mm. to shame his brands um, took a bit of a knock in, in the last couple of uh, years because he's he is a good manager and he will be a good manager somewhere else. He just needs to find the right club because he hasn't had the right club since he left us. No, I... West Ham could have been, but obviously there's a lot going on there that was out of his control, but. He didn't do the shame. worst job there. He didn't do the worst job. Mm. It could have gone a lot worse. I thought it was going to go worse at West Ham, to be honest. Mm. So. He, he was very he, – he laid down very strict ground rules, he said, when he went to West Ham. Mm. And uh, funnily, funnily enough, 
um, more than anyone else, he called out Marco Milosevic as being like an absolutely huge ego. And I think that's that the vibe that part, I get anyway. <laughs> but I think I think that may contribute as to why he didn't take off so well at Manchester United because you know, in terms of egos and, and big name players, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna reach that level of you know historic Manchester United manager, I don't think you could be coming away with saying, "Oh, Marco Milosevic was the you know the biggest." ego that I have to deal with. And you you were talking about his established players like Ginola and you guys those are those are players that are going to have kind of bigger egos when you come in and that is something that seemed like so it's it sounds like it's just something he doesn't really like. You know, True. period in his club. So maybe that's just a person maybe he needs to be at a uh, you know at some place where he's not going to have to deal with as many egos and the ones that are there go ahead and get them out. So Yeah. Way too. Uh, and he said as well, and uh, I know we talked about it last time. Like for me, where I started taking a different perspective on Moise was when he moved to Sociedad, mm. and he was—I think he was a victim of his own enthusiasm there. Because he said, you know, he really wanted to see British managers push, pushing the boat out and mm-hmm. taking up jobs abroad. And he said, if he would have stayed in Spain for maybe another year and picked up Spanish more fluently, that it, you know, it would have had, would have had a more successful job. But that wasn't the case. Well, MLS is starting to get bigger names. DeBoer just went to uh, to Atlanta yeah. to the ATL, so maybe Moyes somewhere. I'd be so fine Possibly. with that. I'd be so fine with that. The idea of being able to watch a Moyes managed team, I'd be I'd be very very cool with that here in the states. Guys, let's move on because we've been talking a lot about. Uh, about Moyes, uh, and, and it's funny because you know I see, I see these these rumors continuing to hit Twitter about how maybe he'll come back. Um, I'm not worried about that right now. I'm worried about Silva. He's still our manager. Um, so let's sum, sum up what's happening on the show. We're gonna start off by talking about Silva's style. A lot of people out there in in the the ether in the world are basically saying Marcus Silva doesn't have a style of football. So let's examine it. Let's try to pick one out. Let's try to figure this out, all right? So we're going to talk about his style. Uh, then we're going to talk about uh, loan to perm, all right? Uh, there's rumors that Bronze is heading to, headed to Barcelona to discuss that possible permanent, uh, making that one permanent. And uh, then something came out recently uh, that Silva said we're very open to trying to make, trying to test Chelsea, trying to make Zuma permanent. So we'll talk about that. Is there good value there? And then we'll do a, a match preview. Cardiff is happening in early next week, so we're going to discuss that because we don't have a we don't have a match this weekend. Uh, so, uh, and we'll finish it up with if you know your history uh, quiz time. It's another it's another starting eleven, which is music to these gentlemen's ears. Uh, I'm sure they they love their old starting eleven segment. Uh, we're we're hearkening back into the, into the past. So, uh, guys, let's talk Silva's style. Um, there are videos out there about this. There are articles out there about this. And we have watched a lot of matches that Silva has managed this season. Uh, obviously, he's rolled with a uh, majority of the time in a 4-2-3-1. Uh, however, uh, it's, it does seem like he prefers a 4-3-3. Uh, we can. I don't think there's a whole lot I need to discuss zonal marking. Let's just say it hasn't worked out. So there it is. 
I just want to get that out of the way now <laughs> because that's our primary way of, uh, of, uh, of giving up goals. Um, so looking back on his teams at Watford, uh, it was very highly dependent on Decore and Capu being these two kind of linchpins in the back. And then he would have another, another central player like Cleverly or Hughes to kind of make sure to be swinging the balls left and right and coming back to help out with some defensive responsibilities. And that was a bit, that's, that's almost like everything went through those dudes. All right. Um, so let's talk about why that changeover has either worked or has not worked, bringing that kind of philosophy to, to Everton with the players he has. So Terry, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, the personnel Silva has and how, how it works and doesn't work with uh with what he might want to do i don't know i mean i don't know what his style even is like there's been different things at different times (laughs) in the season like earlier in the season you could easily have said they were a pressing team now the players they've got aren't really suited to being a pressing team but i think at one point we had like the highest um, sort of, you know, like winning the ball back in the final third. You know, like when when our forwards lost it, we were the top team in the whole division for winning it back straight away. That doesn't mean you're a good pressing team, but I think that you know, indicative that that's what they're trying to do. We were really good at um, pressing the um, the passing lanes rather than the exactly. plays. Exactly. That's everything I'm reading yeah. is what people talk about is pressing the passing lanes. Yeah, sort of like you know not give the players um, on the ball from the opposition much opportunity, you know, much option to move the ball forward rather than, you know, the, the pressing that everyone else does where they just press the man in packs and stuff like that. I, I I don't know, but then at other times that's just completely disappeared and we've tried to play, you know, possession football and passed ourselves into trouble and I, just, I don't know. I don't think he knows what style he wants to play with this team. Like, not, I think it's a myth that managers get to go in and impose their style style on a club. They don't get to do that. Only the very, very top you know managers are afforded that, and that's because they can do both. They can adapt to the players, do enough to earn themselves some time, and then change the philosophy over time. Most managers just have to do the first bit and just adapt to the players they've got. It's what Sarri's not doing at Chelsea, but it's what, um, say, Klopp did at Liverpool. Klopp obviously... For a while, I didn't have the players to play the style he's playing now. But he, he made you know the best of it. He, you know he played players who clearly weren't good enough to you know get in the Liverpool team now. So it's, it's I don't know whether Silva has been given assurances that he's going to be in for the long haul. So he's good. He's just he's skipping the first bit and trying to play a system that suits the players, and he's just playing a system that he wants them to play. Because right now the system's not working at all. It doesn't suit the players that he's got at his disposal. It's hurting them, if anything. And he just doesn't seem to want to change it. Or, you know, he changed it once against Man City and moved to a 4-3-3 and put Tom Davis in at the uh, attack and midfield spot. And it, you know, sort of opened the game up for everybody else. And, you know, other players seemed comfortable. But then he went, that was sort of like a free hit that game. As soon as they, you know, it came to a game again where he felt like he could win the Watford game, he went straight back to what he was used to. No, I think that's. He wants to play that style. He is just going to force the players into it because, you know, maybe he thinks, I'm here long term. 
the players who get kept are the ones who I want them to be playing this from the word go. I'm not going to play a year of adaptive sort of half measure of what he wants to do. And I, I don't know. I, I think he's just, I think he feels like he's going to be here long term. So he's not going <laughs> to bother with the adapting phase and try and get results now with a way that he doesn't want to play. I think he's thinking, I'm going to play my way. And the players who can do it, they'll be the ones who stick around. And the ones who can't, they're going to go because I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think we've seen Marco Silva's style yet because I don't think the players, there's enough players who can play it. There's certainly a lot of players who can't. Yeah, I, I agree. Fairly for me, I think obviously when he's when he come in in the May last year, he's inherited one hell of a mess in ter- in terms of player recruitment, in terms of you know football and identity. We are really all over the place, and I think his his immediate impact was was it was quite refreshing for a lot of Evertonians because particularly funnily enough under Moyes, you know one of the hallmarks of his side was how the fullbacks would bomb on. And, uh, and we, you know, we press really high from the fullbacks, and we, you know, try and link up between the wingers and, uh, and whoever was playing. And I think we, we saw that from the off. Obviously, Richarlison had a really good start. Luke, I know, I know, Blayton Baines started the first game against Wolves, but Luca Dean come in, and you know, he looked like he'd been playing there for years. Um, and I think once that was sussed out, um, and we, you know, how how. Um, the importance was places getting the ball down that left hand side, and I think you know I know Terry mentioned that we were you know up there in the stats in terms of cutting out the ball in passing lanes. I'm sure our crossing stats were yeah. you know if not you know one of the highest in the league as well, and I think that speaks to you know Luca Dean swinging the ball in on the left hand side a hell of a lot. Um, I think we've tried to obviously as I said once that's been sussed out, we've tried to you know up the ante on the right hand side and. I think that's where the wagon, the, the wheels have fell off a little bit because I think Coleman's getting exposed as he's getting on, and I don't think Walcott's the um, the correct profile of player for a Marco Silva team. Um, another issue I have with it almost, and I'm, I mean this will only be solved over time, is that there seems to be a really heavy emphasis on playing out from the back, um, in particular against teams. That are below us. I think you know we regard ourselves as the second, the seventh best team in the country, and we seem to have a um, an adaptive game plan whenever we play a member of the top six. For example, if you look at the game at Chelsea away, where we seem to press them till halfway and make it tough for them, and that was you know that was an impressive performance. But I feel like once we've come up against one of these teams that we you know we view as below us, if you like, I think he's really tried to to. To, to force out some sort of play, um, some identity where he wants us to, to, you know, take the game by the scruff of the neck. And this is where I think the Martinez comparisons come in because it seems to be this kind of suffocating possession game that we don't really seem to get anywhere. All it seems to do is feeding the balls out wide, putting it into the box. And obviously, and a big example of this, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later when we preview the, the Cardiff game, is the, the Cardiff home game where we just got past them 1-0. That was effectively like 11 men behind the ball that we had to try and break down. And we've had to come up against that quite a few times this season. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like a real difficulty for us now. I think that some of the players are looking leggy and our, our strength and depth has really been exposed as the season's gone on. So in terms of being thin on numbers, we've got players that don't suit the identity of what he wants to play. 
And I think that's what's costing them at the minute. Because what is it? It's something like 12 league losses so far this season. And I think we've just had three on the bounce. So, you know, we are certainly going through a rut. And it's down to him to change that. It's uh, the playing out of the back is indicative of this. What's funny is it's a patient style. And that's the thing. I never identify Marco Silva with possession. That's what's weird about this. It's almost like it becomes possession because we can't find our way in. You know, it becomes possession because we can't crack in from anywhere other than bombing bombing everything down the flanks and, and crossing. That's the only way we're able to mm. find our way in. So... And if yeah. we and if that is closed off, it becomes this possession type of game. I don't think he wants to play possession. I think it's just it's he's preaching patience, which is cool. Patience is great, but if you're not creating enough opportunities, when you have a bunch of players who aren't very clinical and are suffering suffering a crisis of con- confidence right now, which they are, then you're not going to have enough opportunities to actually score. And and to, to counter that as well, I know you said like obviously it seems to be a, you know it seems to be a key you know a key element of a top side playing off in the back. One, I don't think we've got the defenders to play and off we'll in the back. We'll have a conversation about Zuma half. later on, by the way, in a, in a different segment. <laughs> and, and I don't uh, obviously this is this is I'm, I'm not wishing him away in any sense. I think he's probably our most important player. I don't think Pickford suited. To having a defence in front of him that wants to play out from the back, uh, I'd love us to become more of a counter-attacking team and play to to Pickford's strength almost. You've, you know, I know his distribution's hit and miss at times, but how much more effective do we do? I mean, when he gets that ball and he puts his head up and he sees someone bombing it on and, and can pick them out, like it, it, it makes us play a hell of a lot more quicker. And th- that patience game is just cut out straight away. It saves Yeti Mina and Michael Keane on Kertuma, whatever it is, dropping back, him rolling the ball out and us trying to pick out how we're going to play. Because, you know, see, I, I genuinely believe a lot of teams have sussed us out now. You know, if you pressure us well enough, key example of this being when we played Manchester City away and we tried to play out from the back. I think, I think formation's a completely different thing that we haven't even touched on because, you know, we've tried the range of formations now. We've tried the, you know, five back, three back and that. That Watford game, I think, was the worst of the lot with what he attempted. But the way we try and play out in the back sometimes, just you know, we I think we just need to start saving ourselves the trouble. We give Dominic Calvert Lewin a run in the side, and you know, start pumping the ball up to him. Calvert Lewin up top is going to win more in the air than any of our other striker possibilities. That's what. That's another reason why I was thinking maybe why he likes to play out of the back. In that we we just do not have much success winning the ball when it comes off of Pickford's foot. We just we don't we usually give it you know give in on headers almost every single time because we don't have our most physical presence isn't very tall and that's Jink Tosun and Jink Tosun is not a big tall guy. These big tall center halves are effectively getting over him and they're winning like everything in the air. So we're giving up possession almost every time we do that. So it's a weird, it's it's weird trying to figure out the smartest way to do it. And I'm all, I'm under the impression that Silva's style, we're still still trying to figure that out, is dependent on the the defense being able to play out of the back and players like Sigurdsson 
or whoever, like Tom Davies, being able to check two and whip the ball around and, and churn it out quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you think think about the, that midfield. You know, who who has the the ability? To, you know, put the back to goal, receive the ball from the defense. You know, put the head up and turn. Only Andre Gomez, yeah. really. And I think, you know, that I think that's why he was such a fan favorite. Once you know, he started getting in the groove of playing because he, you know, he was so effective in you know, he picked the ball up, turn, drive forward. Adrissa Kate, Adrissa Gay can't do that on the ball. You know, his on the ball skills are, are very limited. Sigurdsson, you know, positionally, I think you know Sigurdsson probably deserves a video on his own because he's having a good season in terms of his stats return, but arguably it could be a lot better. Um, but yeah, Andre Gomez, I think a, a lot depends on Andre Gomez, and that goes to what we were saying before about when he was at Watford with Capu and, and Decore. I think Andre Gomez is of that mould, um, possibly a lot less uh, less powerful in terms of physicality, but you know that, that, that swan-like presence of being able to turn and gu- guide the ball forward don't think we've got many midfielders that can do that. Um, Silva's Watford preferences uh, didn't really have a number 10 type of player. All right? No one was really very much like Sigurdsson. All right? It was more in the realm of a Tom Davies type player. Which... To me, you're right, Sigurdsson's having this killer stats year in terms of he's scoring a lot of goals and whatnot. However, Sigurdsson may not necessarily fit what what Marco Silva is trying to do and would prefer to do. And that's going to be a really interesting conversation between now and the summer. I'm curious as to what how Silva actually feels about it. Because we know Sigurdsson's a badass and he's one of my favorite players Period, you know. Yeah, but I, I, I think it just comes full circle to what I was saying earlier. Poor recruitment from past mm-hmm. regimes. We're, we're really, we're really suffering in terms of paying out to players that don't actually play for us. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably the biggest issue with Everton Football Club right now. Exhibit A, Sandro. And then there's another exhibit B through like exhibit X. <laughs> mm, I'll tell me about this. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you wanna? We wanna. I I honestly think we're gonna continue seeing some experimental, you know, lineups in terms of playing around with certain players in certain positions to see if they can fit what Silva wants to do. Yeah, I, and I've got to be honest. Like I said for the Watford game, although I. I wasn't a fan of what I ended up seeing on the pitch. I don't mind them playing out with the formation, trying to suss out what our best system actually is. Like ultimately, there's nothing left to play for. We're out of both cup competitions. You know, we're not competing for top six, top four. I think there's a gap of over ten points between sixth and seventh, but that's not happening. So you know, be experimental. Get some of the young lads in the team. And, you know, as I say, try and, try and find this identity. Um, so, in summation, all right, if Marco Silva has a style, which I'm not sure if we're totally convinced he does at this point, considering we don't really think he has the players he needs to be able to play that way, right? 
Um, pressing the passing lanes, typically running a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, probably more of a 4-3-3 is probably more of what he wants to do, right? Um, attacking on the flanks for the most part and uh, being, being patient possibly to the point of uh, overly patient. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, and that's, that's probably, can we think of anything else stylistically that we need to mention that would sort of encapsulate what we're seeing from this Everton squad this year so far? And the zonal marking thing, which obviously has been a total nightmare. No. <laughs> yeah. But however, yeah. it may not be zonal marking, and maybe the players, Terry's mentioned that in previous stuff. So. Whatever it is, it needs to change. It could just be a bunch more experiments, guys, this, this season. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I will say Tom, Tom Davies getting in there and getting a fair shake lately and kind of making the best of it. It's cool to see. It's cool to see, and actually, could be a good fit. So, we, yeah, we could be getting more so. of an idea the more he starts discovering. Um, okay, all right. Well, we're going to keep doing these type of segments because we're actually going. This is an ongoing process. We're going to keep learning. All right. Um, but uh, for now, that is it for Marco Silva's style. Uh, guys, hey, there's been some recent news that possibly we may start making some of these loans. We have two loans. Uh, we may start making them permanent. Um, Andre Gomez and Kurt Zuma. So uh, let's start with, with Gomez just because, you know, alphabetical. Uh, so, Max, it's your turn. Uh, a few questions. Let's hit all these points for both these guys. Andre Gomez. Is he a good fit for Silva's style? Style. See the see the transition from the last video. Style. All right. Yeah. Uh, is he a good fit for Silva's style? Does he want to be here? Because it seems like he does. And uh, I mean, it seems like he gets the club. Uh, and consi- let's consider the money. Is is he potentially worth the money? Because I think that's a whole different conversation. Because if he's going to cost too much, then man. Um, so Max. Does does he fit the style um, when he's not knackered and when he hasn't played too many games? I'd say so. Yeah, I think you know when he's when he's energized and 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 when he's raring to go. Which I, what I like about Andre Gomez, I think in the in more recent months gone by, but you've seen a different side to him almost. You've seen like a kind of you know an, an aggression come out of him that we haven't we haven't seen from an Everton midfielder. I don't think in in quite a while. So I think that's endeared him to Evertonians just that bit more. Um, I was just doing a little bit of brushing up and research, obviously, beforehand. 20, 25 years old, contracted till Barca, till June of 2021. He's on transfer market. He's, he's valued currently at £28 million, And his value took a great spike when he joined Barcelona. Obviously, you know, it, it didn't go so well for him there, so his value dropped massively. And it's only since he's moved to Everton that his values kind of skyrocketed again almost. So I think that, in answer to, does, does he want to be here? I think he'd be a bit soft if he didn't want to be here. Like, it's, it's obvious, you know, it bodes well for him. He seems to be 
in an environment that he's enjoy, enjoying being around. I think he get, gets on well with a lot of the squad. And it's almost as if he's been given a new leash on life because obviously I don't think he's got, he's not walking back into Barcelona's team. And I think it, he, you know, he'd have a hard time with it if he did go back there. But um, twenty-eight million pounds. Do you think he's going to cost us that, or are we, you know, are we going north of twenty-eight million pounds? It's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, he was talked about at first when he hit that first little run of form. Uh, people were going, pay anything, pay, pay Sigurdsson money, just get him. He's amazing. And I was one of them. I was like, he's so good. We need to buy that player. But the talk, the, well, the, the sort of rumour and innuendo since then has been, oh yeah, 24 million according to you know Spanish press and you know he, he may you know it may not cost that much because Barca uh, well not that much in Premier League terms but Barca aren't really interested in keeping the player the player wants to come so it's not going to be I mean they'd quite like a bit more obviously but I think it may be down to the player if the player doesn't really if his agent or himself doesn't really um, entertain any offers from other clubs or anything like that you know there were rumours that Spurs were interested and stuff like that if he's not, you know, if he's batting that away behind the scenes, then the price is going to come down. We're, it, it's a no-brainer for me to sign him, definitely. It's uh, even for decent money. I think at that age, he's a good age. I think he, you know, he, we've been stung a bit by spending over the odds on players with very little resale value. I think he could be one um, who, if he plays to his potential for two years, he could easily be worth. We buy him for twenty-five million, say. He'd be worth double that if he has a good couple of years. Every player you spend over, te- you know, any decent amount of money for is a risk. But I, I think it's, it's straightforward. It's it, I, to me, this is what reminds me of the Gareth Barry deal. Like not in the same sort of financial sense, because obviously Gareth Barry was on loan and had the, you know, was out of contract in the summer, and people were worried that oh, is he going to play so well in that season that other other clubs are going to come in for him and. No, I, I don't. I think just like with that and with Gomez as well, I, it, it's right. He fits. He fits so well into the team. He fits so well into the club. He's the sort of heart of the midfield, and it's just a case of it's. I think it's a formality. I think we're going to sign him, and I think he's going to be put in place to be like by not just Silva by Brands himself with the bigger picture in mind. Going, you're our, our sort of engine you're our hub in the middle of the pitch and we're going to build the rest of the midfields around you young enough for us to do that i i think it's i think it's a formality i think it's just about finding the right financial package for suits all parties Mm. i don't think he wants to be anywhere else i don't think there's any question that we want him and i don't think there's any question of barca wanting to keep him i think it's straightforward but how often are things straightforward with everything when they're meant to be um, in the previous video, we were talking about Silva, almost like when he was at Watford. Those two players, Capu and Decore, mm. being super important, and I feel like Gomez becomes one of those, almost mm. the most important players on the pitch for the team. And I, I think Gomez is one of those. Um, how much is too much? Uh, market is bonkers right now. It's ridiculous. All right. Um, I part of me says I really don't want to pay more than thirty-five million. 
You know, I think that's high for a player who would never even get in in a squad for Barca. I think that's really high. However, I think they know we want him pretty damn bad, and they're going to do their best to drive things up if they can. Uh, but Marcel Brands is a dude. He he drives a, he gets a bargain. You know, he clips coupons. He's <laughs> he's he's going to get us a, a decent price. He did well with Dean. Uh, he did. Uh, hopefully, we'll look back and say he did well with Mina. Um, we'll see. Uh, but, but yeah, I I think he'll be worth the money that we pay for him. I don't think we're paying forty. I don't care no. how bonkers the market is. I don't care. That's nuts. So yeah, I think Barca would have to be off their cake <laughs> to mm. ask for that. So, somebody somebody uh, mentioned that in a comment, a YouTube comment one one time. They asked me if I was off my cake, and I was like, "I'm stealing that yoink." <coughs> uh, so um, anyway, so uh, we like Gomez. Uh, frankly, I think if we look at the squad, we're going to feel like we need the other his partner. We need a partner for Gomez in the in the middle. That's going to be a purchase in the summer. I think that's going to be mm-hmm. big. Um, might even be to Corey. It might be. Play of that profile wouldn't be against that. Mm-hmm. I could easily see that. I, 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 I don't think we're rich enough or high profile enough for Ndombele, especially after that's he did I, what he did against Barca. I don't see that yeah. happening. <laughs> no. no. I think um, I think we're kidding ourselves with players like that. I think yeah. the... <laughs> We need to find those players when they're at the play the team they're at before they go to Leon. That's like you know, it, wherever he came from, we need to go and look at the Saint Etienne's and play and teams like that and go right. Who's the next big star? Because they they come from somewhere, and they all when, when we need to stop buying from the big clubs because we either get a player who's not good enough or we get a player we pay too much for. Mm-hmm. That's why you've got brands. Find them first. We don't. We won't get Lozano. We might get the next one, though, who's not Lozano yet. So, ideally, I wouldn't be surprised if in the summer we signed a couple of players who you've never heard of and they don't really... No one's excited for them yet, but then they end up being really important players. That'd be lovely. I like mm. that. I like that. That's that. That adds a sense of adventure to the transfer market. You know what I mean? That's like, it's like it's mm. almost like we're investing. Yeah. Nuts, huh? <laughs> all right. So we're all on board the Gomez train. I mean, the man gave a hugathon. <laughs> all right, for, for God's sake, <laughs> everybody loves him. All right. Uh, so. Write that check. Uh, Kurt Zuma. Um, Will Silva, you know, has hinted that we're going to test Chelsea over this. He has proven to be one of our more reliable center backs this season. Um, No idea what's going on with Yerry Mina as far as if he's injured or what. Um, But Zuma has proven to be to be all right. Uh, So, however. Uh, we've talked in the last video about Silva's style being playing out of the back. All right, Zuma has this reputation for being very aggressive in the air. Um, however, we haven't seen as much of that on on set plays uh, as much as we've we've expected. 
Um, then there's the question, does he want to be here? And what kind of money are we talking about? All right, let's start with Terry on this one. Um, is Kurt Zuma a good fit for, uh, for Marco Silva, what Marco Silva wants to do? Yeah, I'd say he is, but me personally, I'm, I'm less enthused by this one than I was with Gomez. Um, he's he's an okay player, he's good, but for the money that he'd probably cost, not for me. I think I'd rather us go and get someone better. I actually, it may be an unpopular opinion, um, it may be a bit early to say, but I, I think Yerry Mina is a much better player. I haven't seen a lot of him yet, and it's not to say Yerry Mina's perfect. There's a lot of things he can do better, and we obviously don't know what's going on with him. Uh, assume he's been injured since the Millwall game. You know, you get like you know different accounts online who like to stir things up. But I, I would bring in Zuma dependent on the price and dependent on what's going on with Michael Keane. I think if um, I'd like to see us go for a different centre back in the summer. But I'd be happy to go for Zuma as well if he was a good price and he was replacing Michael Keane in the squad. Um, but I wouldn't want him to be sent for a, a massive price or if that's it, they're your three top centre-backs because we've seen we've got them already and we're not very good at the back. So I don't see why we'd invest decent money in something that we've already had a preview of is not going to work because Zuma would cost... A lot, he, you know. He's he's Chelsea are probably going to change manager again soon. He's not going to, you know. He might he might want to have a look at, at Zuma and and, and or, or if he doesn't, the club are going to go well. We're not selling to another Premier League club, a young player who we you know brought in with a view for the future. We're not going to sell him for cheap. I think he costs well more than Gomez, and I'm not I'm not into it. I just don't think he's worth it. I think I'd rather us go out and with that money, with that potential thirty. 40 whatever it is million that he might cost Zuma and go and find someone else right? go and find another Luca Dean I keep I use Luca Dean as like this go-to bargain where he was 18 million and he's you know he's slotted right in and he's he's that he's you know he's a, the Everton player that every fantasy football you know team's got in it he's the he's the most probably the most picked Everton player Luca Dean came in with little fanfare just to, you know brought in for a decent price I'd rather Brands go and do that again with the centre-back than bring in Zuma I've got to be honest it's not that I dislike him it's not that I'd be unhappy if we do get him <clears throat> just underwhelmed by Zuma on the strength of the whole season I think he could have been a lot better in a lot of games but he's not the it's not to single him just him out but if we're talking about buying him I, I think we can get better I prefer I prefer something else someone else Max what do you think, Kurt Zuma? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree completely with what Teddy said. Like, you know, after after that that deadline day in the summer, we were like, oh, look at what we've come away with. We've got you know centre half now, Michael Keane, Yeri Mina, Kurt Zuma. You know, three really strong options at centre half. I think personally, it's after the six two against Tottenham at home. Since that game, I think they've just all kind of dropped off almost. And there was far too many instances in that game alone where, you know, the, the attackers are finding space in between the full-backs and the centre-half or even in between the two centre-halves themselves. Um, you know, the biggest mistake of that game, Kerr Zuma colliding with the keeper. Like, I do like Kerr Zuma, don't get me wrong. I looked them up again. 24, contracted to Chelsea until June 2023. 
got a transfer market value of 20 million. Obviously, I don't think that would be his, his, you know, his eventual sell, you know, buy value. But playing out from the back, he just he doesn't look poised on the ball. He reminds me a hell of a lot like Mamadou Sacco in, in his kind of movement when he's on the ball, and you know, it's it's kind of heart in mouth at times. You know, he solid on his defensive basics. Um, gets his head to obviously he scored that you know he scored ahead of goal um, and did the sell to a fan so it's not as if the, it's not as if he's you know it's not as if we don't like him like him a lot you know he seems like a character that you'd want in and around your dressing room however we haven't you know we haven't seen the fruits of any development in terms of our defensive line particularly from as you say set pieces and zonal marking um, so there's been plenty of times where he's been you know the culprit of Mark him fresh air. So, uh, similar to Terry said, like if we can go out there and we can find someone that could play out from the back. Like I, I was watching when, when we got beat two 0 by City. I was watching that thing, and I'd I'd love to have John Stones in the middle of our defence, <laughs> like a player of that ilk that is comfortable with playing out from the back, and that is his bread and butter. I think that's the profile of a player that we need to go for. Um, I don't think we. It's like. You know, we're trying to mould them into a player almost that he isn't. Uh, go for him by all means if we haven't got another target. But I, I would scout elsewhere. Mm. I've always gotten the vibe that Zuma was sort of an emergency signing. It was just sort of let's bring this guy in. We know he can defend. He'll he'll do until Mina gets healthy or Mina gets up to speed. That's always been my vibe about it. Um, I don't know that we we brought him in thinking this is going to be our guy. Um, however, I also thought there I did think there was a possibility. I didn't think I didn't even, I didn't even imagine like at this point that he would be starting over Mina. I thought he'd be starting over Keane. However, because we didn't have a whole lot of faith in Keane at the beginning of the season, you know, after last season we just did. Um, yeah, I, the cost. That's my biggest issue. Uh, I think if we looked at him and we said he's perfect for what Silva's trying to do in terms of playing the ball out of the back, being aggressive in the air, uh, making sure nothing, nobody's winning anything near him, I think we'd be fine paying 35 40 for him. You know what I mean? Because that means yeah. it's somebody who's perfect for what our manager's trying to do, and he's a guaranteed starter. Yeah, and someone that we haven't mentioned that's coming back who can cover I both. I was going to go there. A center half and right back. He got a fantastic assist at the weekend for West Brom. Mason Allgate's coming back, and you know, if I was Marco Silva, Mason Allgate be coming back into my side. He's getting his swagger back. He just would. Yeah. You know, it's something I was going to mention. That was literally the next question out of my mouth is if you've got Holgate coming back to possibly help out at center back, do you? how much do you actually invest in a young defender? My, my, my question to that would be, you know, who do you feel more comfortable with when they've got the ball? That's easy. Kurt Zuma or Mason Holgate? Yeah. And I think I know what the answer is. However, I will say Zuma has made less defense, like positioning mistakes and mental drops, you know what I mean? Like actually when the, when, mm. when open play is happening, the hope is that Holgate is getting that experience. So he's going to make less of those. That's the point of sending him out. 
true. Yeah. You know? What a tough question. That's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. come summer, what's what's going to happen with him? Because a lot of people are making an argument that he should be starting right back, and I'm like, well, he's in the championship right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he really has a bearing on the Zuma situation. I think he's gonna. The whole point of him being on loan now is because for the next, the last six, well, the last months of these this season, the fourth choice centre back spot is Jaggy Elkers. And I think Jaggy Elko will probably go in the summer and Holgate will take that position. And then when Zuma goes back, that still leaves you with three. So you've got to buy another one and then decide what you're going to do with Michael Keane, whether you're going to try and move him on or whether he's going to go to the third choice or whether, you get, whether you're going to make Holgate the right back. I think Holgate's on loan now so he can play while Jaggy Elko winds things down. I don't see... I don't think it's a case of... You know, he's going to come back and oh, he'll just replace Zuma because I don't think Jaggy Elka will extend his time. But the thing with, with, with Hulk is really... left field, though, that's crazy, man. Where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to think as well with Hall Gates. The club might view him as a potential profit spinner. It's not really got a, I don't, don't want them to, but they might think, well, we're struggling to sell a lot of players and get the books looking right. He's one we could sell, not really feel it, and make a decent amount of money for. I know that's cynical, and a sort of this is a different a conversation for a different segment. But I sort of feel the same way about Luckman mm. now. Let me say if that if that happened, I'd be so pissed off. Like, yeah, uh, that's, that's just going back. All right, but I can I can understand. Uh, don't the completely I'll go into that. too much Holgate now because we may do a segment on him next week. All right, we yeah. may do a segment. So don't. Totally, you know, throw all your Holgate material out there yet. Right. I hope that's not true, but I do want. I, I don't. I, I don't necessarily even think that's cynical. I think that's realistic. That's a definite. That's a possibility. However, thinking about bronze and this youth movement that he's seemingly trying to create, it doesn't seem to fit yeah. the profile. You know what I mean? It seems like he would want to hang on to to valuable players like that um, mm. with promise, but. Yeah. Mm. I do like Holgate a lot. I mean, I think he, as I say, I think he'll replace Jaggy Elka's position in the squad. But whether he, whether he's used as a right back and and we move out one of the other two right backs, or whether he is just yeah, we'll sit try it at centre back. We might have a, him and Mina. Who knows? Or him and Keane. Well, maybe not him and Keane because we tried that, it didn't really work. But we'll and see. You know what? A little more Big experience could change that as well. You know what I mean? So it's hard to say. Um, he was my he was my yeah. my favorite one of our centre backs. Before we brought in Mina and Zuma, and before Keane started actually playing when, a little better. When Coleman was a kid, as he went on loan to Blackpool, and they came up, and that made him as a player. So hopefully, yeah. the same thing can happen for Holgate at West Brom. But just having that playing every week experience in uh, in the Championship just was just worth its weight in gold, and hopefully. Yeah, and for Leon Osman as well, but like a lot of players have benefited from that, you know, that type of loan. And it, you know, it's been a while since we've benefited from it. We send a million players out on loan. We never seem to get them back any better. They always seem to be even worse and we're trying to get rid of them. Maybe this one worked for us. That'd be nice. That'd be a different different way to approach a loan, yeah. Actually to develop yeah. the player Sorry. instead of going like get out of here, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But as you say, this is all stuff I should really be saving for a whole gate. Well, segment, and that's so. what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> so, 
we've taken a little left turn at Holgate. It happens. Uh, we'll we'll delve into it more later. Um, it was. I mean, it's a it's it's topical right now. There's a lot of people talking about Mason Holgate. There you go. Um, so Kurt Zuma, I think we'd all agree if the price was super right, we'd be cool with Zuma. But the idea of breaking the bank for a player that might not fit the profile of what Silva's doing, um, that's that's questionable. So mm. um, also may not fit the uh, what what bronze likes to do. You know? So, all right. So mm-hmm. that's it for our loan to perm segment. Guys, we actually, uh, we're going to do a match preview because matches resume for us next Tuesday. That's a thing. Um, however, it's Cardiff. I don't know what to make of Cardiff at the moment because, uh, you know, it, it, you know the, the thinking is, the immediate knee-jerk thinking is, oh, we're, we're playing Cardiff. That's a good one to go back to, right? We've been playing pretty awful. That's a good one to go back to. However, they're not playing too poorly lately. So that's a thing. Um, however, they are still 17th in the table. They're 7, 4, and 15 with 25 points. They're one point off the relegation zone. They, they, they've won two in a row, though. Yeah. Uh, they play Watford this weekend, so we'll see how that goes. But they recently beat uh, Southampton 2-1 and Bournemouth 2-0. Before that, they lost to Arsenal 2-1. These are not ridiculous results and it does seem like uh warnick uh neil warnock has these uh has a system in place it is very much he his players know his expectations and what he wants um obviously their their uh winter uh signing neos cannot play against us uh so that's so that's a thing um they like to adjust their formation around their opposition so you'll see them Sometimes run a back three, but they probably won't do that against us. I think that you could see them doing a four-one-four-one or a four-four-one-one against us. Um, I'll talk about the possible lineup in a little bit. Uh, but Terry, some opening thoughts about Cardiff. Um, biggest game of our season now. This it's absolutely massive. This I don't think it can be overstated. We've got the amount of home games we've got left, and five of them in the top six can't we can't rely on any of those for points so if we don't beat cardiff then we are in serious trouble of getting dragged into that fight at the bottom of the table it's 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 outrageous that it's even a thing and we're even thinking about this but it's it's the reality if we lose to cardiff we are i think we're only six seven points away from it but as i say we've got five games against teams who regularly beat us and I know the teams down the bottom aren't going to win all of their games, but I'm sure they're going to win a few, and we need to be careful. We keep losing to teams who outwork us. It doesn't matter that we've got better players than Cardiff. We've got loads of players who are better than Cardiff in their opposite number. doesn't matter. We're better than nearly... All of our players are nearly better than every single Southampton player. Wouldn't take a, Probably wouldn't take a single Southampton player, but they worked their arses off and beat us. We need to be up for a fight. We need to be able to go to war and go, right, well, if we win this, we put real daylight between ourselves and the trouble and then we can relax a little bit and go into these the rest of the season and not have that fear 
we lose to Cardiff though. Our every game becomes a becomes nervous, and it could. Steve, the season could turn round on this in the sense of you beat Cardiff, get a little bit of confidence back, and then you might even whisper it quietly, beat one of the top six sides on um, in the running, and that wouldn't wouldn't make it a good season. But something to get behind at the minute because we, you know. It's it's te- it's it's spun off the rails, hasn't it? The season, but this Cardiff game needs to be a win, no question about it. The big players need to turn up. Cardiff are are better than people give them credit for, but they're not better than Everton. They need to. They need to. We can't let this one turn into another draw, another defeat. We need to win this game. All right, I'm just gonna say that was more grim than I was expecting. <laughs> it was grimmer, it was grimmer than expecting, and now I'm worried. Not cool, Terry. Not cool. It wasn't. Sorry, not cool, man. Well, not cool with I, your, I with your reality. They've <laughs> had a long time to prepare for this as well, so you know that they're going to have been practicing set pieces in the build up to this game. We need to sort our act out because if we lose to Cardiff. Oh, forget it. That'll be what thirteen defeats. And trust me, if we don't beat Cardiff, we won't beat a, we a single one of those top six teams at home as well. So that could end up with the season with what eighteen defeats. Forget it. Mm. Uh, uh, maybe a uh, bit, bit too too grim dark to go that far. But this <laughs> game is massive. It could make the difference between between <laughs> between finishing mid table. And trying to make something of it, get you know, beat Liverpool, and you know, to give yourself a little boost for at the end of the season, or you know, affect the title race or whatever. But or it could be you're now in a relegation fight. You hadn't been in one all season, but you got to March, February, and you started to slip down. Um, all right. So possible lineup: Etheridge, Peltier, uh, Ekwale Mangala. Sol Bamba, Bennett, Gunnarsson, Patterson, who I think played a lot up front until they brought in some some up front help. Uh, so he's actually been playing on the outside lately. Uh, you, then you could see Murphy or Hoylet. I believe Murphy. Uh, yeah, uh, Arder and uh, uh, Rawls and Reed. Uh, right now, there Bobby Reed and Callum Patterson have four goals apiece. Murphy's got three. Sean Morrison, I believe, is out currently. I don't know if he'll be – I don't think he'll be ready for us, but he's got three assists, and uh, Victor Camarasa has got three assists as well. There's your danger, man. Um, Max, are we mainly just worried about set pieces at this moment? Yeah, I'd think so. I mean, uh, Cardiff have pulled off some good results at home this season. I think they, they beat Wolves at home and they beat – Bournemouth for home, obviously they were they were touched by that terrible tragedy with Emiliano Salah, and that's you know united them more as a club. Um, I remember when I did my uh, opposition view with some guys from View from the Nine, and which are the the Cardiff podcast that they you know they didn't really have high expectations. Obviously, um, Warnock come in and uh, and really had, you know bandied together and, and got them united them as a group, give them a real feel good factor. But obviously they, they they've come up with very limited expectations. Uh, as I mentioned there, they were obviously touched by that tragedy, and it seemed to have um, 
you know they've responded well to that. You know they've won the last two on the bounce and they're out of the out of the relegation zone now. And if we're not careful, they could sting us too. Um, I think the take to Terry's just add on it has been exacerbated by the fact that we were beaten by Wolves and we were beaten by Watford, who were otherwise our main contenders in in terms of slugging it out for seventh place. Now we're on 33 points and watching over our shoulder for West Ham, etc. So that really doesn't help. And it's really put, I think, a negative slant on our season. Um, yeah, th- th- this has, has to be a win, particularly with you know Liverpool coming up, Arsenal coming up, Chelsea coming up. You know, we, we've got to pick three points up here. If not, we are into a really, really you know bumpy end to the season. And make two, no two ways about it. We're gonna have to beat one of these top six sides. I think you know, if, if we, you know, to for our own sake, I, I'm, I refuse to to make any you know comment that we're going to be drawn into a relegation battle because I don't think that's going to be the case. But I think we just need to recover some respectability. Almost, you know, we 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 drop points in some very silly games this season, and this shouldn't be one of them. Yeah, I, I feel like we can see how this is going to play out. You know, they're they're going to be physical. And they're going to be compact. And every single set play, they're going to push push their folks up, push their backs up. And, uh, I mean, they score off often off set pieces anyway. You know, I feel like I, every, I, I see Sol Bamba actually getting in the score score sheet every once in a while which is just Mm -hmm. you know it's just something they do anyway um so uh, i i feel like you we just know how this is going to go down we're going to possess the ball a lot and we are going to sit there and try and we're going to be patient about it we're going to be sitting there trying to find the cracks and we're going to keep and i and it's going to be a really frustrating experience i feel like we just see this coming you know I, i i don't know uh and and uh, it's just gonna we're gonna see us basically moving down the sides, bombing it. So right now we have to decide if you were Silva, what are you doing with your time off? You damn well better be practicing set pieces. Mm. How can you work on anything else? That and finishing. And getting some more confidence in our in our, our players up front. I don't see how you can work on anything else, really. You know? I mean, we we saw for the um, you know there was a lot said in the build up to the Manchester City game that you know the four two three one, you know it really wasn't floating the boat, and we had far too many problems with it than it solved. He changed the formation for that City game, went four three three, so that indicates and uh, yeah, the Watford game aside, that indicates to me that you know he is. You know, he has got his ear raised to some of these problems. Mm-hmm. I'd love, I'd love, you know, for Cardiff to get their first set piece of the game, and we're not marking fresh air. We're actually marking players. That'd be a lovely sight. I don't think it's gonna happen so soon, because obviously, I think that's a principle that he's gonna stick by for the mm-hmm. time being. But yeah, we, we can't be conceding goals from set pieces for the remainder of the season because they're just gonna continue to put, to add the pressure onto. Him. All right, we got to do some predictions. Let's start, Terry. What's the score going to be? I don't know. I, I 
2-1 Everton. Got to win. I think we'll concede. It'll probably be a set piece, but I think we could score more. We've got the and players. We have got the attacking players to hurt the Cardiff defence. We just haven't got the defensive players to not concede. So 2-1 mm. for me. Terry just oozes confidence, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. I think we'll concede, but we might score more. <laughs> no, and, and honestly, what Everton supporter doesn't sound like that right now? Um, yeah. Max, predict. You've been, you've been pretty, pretty mystical lately. You've been dropping some accurate predictions. So what do you got? I was going to say two on myself. I mean, on on paper, you know, it should be a formality. It should be a three nil or a four nil. But you know, context included, it's not going to be that easy. It's just not. It, it, I can see a two one. I'm going to be an idiot, and I am going to say one nil Blues. All right. Here's why. Um, I'm an idiot. <laughs> All right, we're probably going to concede on a set piece. I don't know. I'm trying to like expect that we actually are working on it in training. I'm really trying to think that that we have some actual professionals on our squad, and that our and that our 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 manager and our coaches are actually working on this. So I'm I'm going to just roll the dice here and say we're actually going to get a clean sheet, all right? And somehow we're going to get, like, an ugly goal out of nowhere, all right? I, I, I just think this is going to just be just not a good advertisement for the Premier League, for people who mm. watch this game. That, yeah, that's, that's the feeling I've got, too. And I, it, sh- it really shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't. As I said, there should be a formality in favor of Everton, yeah. but... The way it's going for us, it's just not. And we need to learn how to win ugly. So, you know, we take the three points any any means necessary. Yeah, and I'm totally, I, I am good. Because you're going to play, we're going to play squads where we have to win ugly. It's just going to happen sometimes. And if we can start churning out when things aren't necessarily always going our way, that's how you build confidence. And maybe this is just wishful on my, on my, and cool, whatever. I'm cool with being a little wishful. I've been negative in my prediction in the past. Right on. All right? So I'll balance it out some. All right? So, all right. 2-1, 2 We're all predicting victories. We're not being too negative, are we? Uh, <laughs> we could be worse. We could be a lot worse. All right. So uh, I guess that's it for our Cardiff match preview. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Terry against Max in a cage match of Toffee's Wit and Might. See? Still got it. Still got it! (laughs) Uh, So, we've got, uh, yeah, we've got Cardiff coming up. So, there's a little spoiler. Cardiff, eh? Guys, be thinking Cardiff. Uh, So, uh, if if you've never heard our quiz segment, where you been, but welcome. Uh, it's, it's basically, I, I, this is a, a starting 11 segment where I tell them a, a, an, an historical match. They go back and forth saying who started or subbed in and, and uh, the first one to miss, uh, yeah, it loses. That's how it works. Uh, 
This is not complicated. It's not rocket science. And if it is rocket science, we should be on the moon more. All right, guys. So let's make this happen. Who is a, I have a, a, I don't have a coin. Uh, let's, let's have, uh, I guess it's Max's turn to call this, I think, if my memory serves. Heads. Never does. All right. Heads, says Max. And it's Tails. Tails. Terry, I'm assuming you want to go second. You assuming correct. I assume like a mofo. All right, guys. Uh, so, cue intense quiz music. It's a slow burner. It ramps up, and there it is, I'm assuming. I'm just guessing. Uh, Max and Terry. Max has to go first. Guys, August 31st, 2013. Cardiff nil, Everton nil. <laughs> We've picked, we've picked a good one, folks. <laughs> 2013. <laughs> it was the end of August. Uh, Max, uh, give us a starter from that one. Tim Howard. Tim Howard. It's crazy you would go there. I didn't <laughs> see that coming. Uh, you're right. Terry, who else? Um, Leighton Baines. Ah, uh, yes. He did start. Phil Jagielka. Phil Jagielka. It's weird. You guys are just going in order that I've got them written down. It's, it's like I gave you the answers ahead of time. I did. Marwan Fellaini. Fellaini. See, he went out of order this time to make sure nobody questions. Uh, <laughs> that is That is correct. He did start. Uh, now we're back to the order. There we go. Yes, that is correct. You guys are doing great, by the way. Hopefully I didn't just change you. Um, Leon Osmond. Leon Osmond, yes. The man, the man started. Leighton Bain. It has already been said. Oh. Um... Kevin Morales. Kevin Morales started. Yes, he did. Um, 2013. Um, Nikolai Yelovich. Yelovich started. That is completely correct. Yes, he did. However, yeah. I think you may have gotten his first name incorrect. I think it's like Nikita. Oh yeah, I said Nikolai. Right. Nikolai, I was like, I was like, he just turned yeah. all like Russian. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, we no, know it, who you're talking about. That's correct. Nikita, Come yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> My bad. Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley started. Yes, he did. Stephen Pienaar. Stephen Pienaar started. Guys. Knocking it out. There's only one more starter left. I don't think he'll be a starter. I'm taking a stab. Stephen Naismith. He actually was not a starter, nor did he sub in. So, Terry, you get one right here, and you are the winner. Just trying to think of who we've had. We've had Baines, Jagielka, Distan, Osmond Barkley, 
Jelovic, Fellaini, Morales, Pino. This is stunningly entertaining. I just want to say that. <laughs> All of us are just kind of like waiting, like, okay. We're, you guys are just spouting out wrong answers, uh, right answers, you know what I mean? It's just, right, right, correct, correct. And it's just, yeah. Seamus Coleman. Seamus Coleman, ladies and gentlemen, was our final starter. Did we not say, oh, I thought we just, we just said, remember when we were going in some sort of formation? No, that, See, that was the I... weird thing. We skipped. We skipped yeah. Seamus yeah. Coleman. I, I remember... I, 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 I remember this game because my dad went and he brought me a program back. Like not literally my only kind of remember like remembrance of the of, of the game. And I remember on the poster inside the inside the program it was yet there was Yelovich and Pina and it, it was Martinez's first season, but we, we hadn't got Barry and McCarthy and Lukaku in then at, at that point, had we? No. Uh, so That yeah. is literally like I went over the players we'd already named because I was trying to think of the position that we didn't name yet because that team at that time was so settled. I do not remember this game at all, but I know from like I've done this before with the era the game's in, the sort of which year it is, and I remembered. That's why I thought of Yelovich because like this is pre this is Martinez, but pre-transfer deadline day. So I was mm. trying to think of who was at the very end of Moise's reign. So I nearly went with Darren Gibson mm. uh, instead of Coleman. So, um, but I knew that when, this, when I read the players down, the right back hadn't been said yet. Our two and subs. Our two subs were transfers that that summer. Okay. If, if it was is Kone one of them? Because I'll kick myself. Oh, yes. I was going to say Kone instead of Naismith, but I said Naismith. Kone came in 68th minute for Yelovich. Yeah. Delafeu? Jerry. Jerry because came in 86th minute for Morales. <coughs> I mean, yeah. I was looking at this squad, and it's it's not bad. It's not a bad... I don't see how that team doesn't go into Cardiff and win. i got to be honest. It was, yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird blend of, of Moyes and, and Martinez players. I mean... Well, that's that. That's Moise's team. Yeah, this is Moise's, the starters, and the ones who are kind of coming in and working their way in are Mart- Martinez. Uh, but these starters, this Moise's squad is good. You know? Um, so, yeah. All right. By the way, Robles was on the bench. Stones was on the bench. Johnny Heitinga, uh, Oviedo Baby, and uh, Naismith. That's who was on the bench but did not get in. All right, so I, I like Eitinger. I really like same. Him. I I loved Eitinger. Me, <laughs> Christian Benteke ruined his career. So, I yeah. uh, Terry, you have congratulations. You have won. Max, you can be proud. You fought valiantly. Uh, it's a solid, solid quiz, gentlemen. Terry, your 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 big your ring your big ring on this your your reward your just reward is picking the tune. Right now, if you're listening, Terry's going through his Spotify trying to figure out what dad rock song he's going to drop on you. Terry, what's it going to be? I'm going to transition out of the 80s and into some something from the 90s. Ah. I'm going to go with Even Flow by Pearl Jam. Hey, this is something I remember. Uh, I remember the, the video when I was in middle school, seeing it on MTV. Yeah. This is something I actually know. Pearl Jam 10. I know Pearl Jam 10. Very cool. Why are you picking that besides the fact that it's 
awesome. Because, Jerry, what the listeners don't know is that with the help of some clever editing, <laughs> I actually took a very long time to decide on this song because I picked two songs that I've already chosen in the past. So the pressure got to me a little bit and I picked the first good song that I saw that was sort of on brand with the kinds of songs I pick. I didn't really want to go off the sort of classic rock sort of kind of thing, so it was it was the pressure. That is exactly why. I will say this is a little more alternative rock, would be labeled as alternative rock, which which is 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 it is delving a little away from your brand. Just a skosh. You know? Yeah, a, a shade. It's not it's not, you know, I haven't suddenly throughout um a heavy techno song or something like that. It's not it's not a massive departure, no. but it is a slight departure, but it was uh, something I, I felt like I had to do with given the the choices I've made before and which had already been played. This is getting a little and away that, from the black leather and big hair and getting more toward the yeah. flannel shirts and uh you know ripped jeans, you know? It's <laughs> Converse, that's that's better. I like that, yeah. Uh, very cool. Well, as as we've we uh, we're serenaded by Eddie Vedder. Um, yeah, it's time to end the big show. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If you've been listening to the Top of Blues podcast, please subscribe to it. Why not? Uh, rate it if you can. Leave a kind review because because it just makes us feel warm and fuzzy. Um, if you uh, get a hair up your ass and you want to see what we look like. Check out our YouTube channel because a lot of this content is on there and there's some other stuff on there too. So why? It, it totally does not hurt you. And if it does, I'm sorry and I don't know what affliction you have. If you want more Terry, check out his his Twitter. The details are, are with the podcast. Uh, he ends up showing up on the uh, Liverpool Echo Fan Jury, so look for him there. Check out Max. He just he's uh, he's a, a, a like a butterfly flitting all over the place, pollinating his effort and knowledge and football knowledge. Check him out; it's there. Um, uh, also, he shows up on the Toffee Blues website, so his Twitter will tell you where he's when he's dropping his analysis on there. Um, also, check out the Toffee Blues website in general. Uh, also, uh, so, you know, follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I've got no more cl- plugging. He's, he's, I'm, I'm plugged out. I'm unplugged. Gentlemen, thanks so much. It's good to talk to you. Uh, it's been way too long. This session went way longer than we thought, uh, just because we hadn't talked in forever. And as usual, that's a sign that you're actually enjoying it or that you're pinned in by a weird American. So, guys, thanks so much. Terry, good to talk. Good to be back on, guys. Always a pleasure. Max, glad you, you muscled through after your late night. I know. It's been a while. I'm glad to be back. No one had any idea either. It's beautiful. So you did a good job of hiding it. <laughs> All right. Gentlemen, thanks so much. Let's get three points this Tuesday. And bye. Bye.